And welcome back to the Film School for Marketers podcast. This is episode number 24, which is very exciting. I'm not sure why, but it's just exciting. As always, I am one of your hosts, Zach Basner, the Director of Inbound Training and Video Strategy here at Impact. And we have a very, very special guest today of whom I'm very excited about. She is very talented. She is the queen of content marketing, as it were. She's the pillar page princess, so to speak. I'm loving this. She is Lord of <laughs> the Words, the brilliant Liz Murphy. Hi. I know. I, I, I feel like I'm going to try to be as smiley and bright as Mariah, but I do have my East Coast, Mid-Atlantic. What, what's the word for it? Oh my gosh. You called me the queen of words and now I'm failing words. I don't know. East Coasters, we can be a little less sunny than those of them, those in California. So we'll see how it's Yeah. Going. Well, you know what? Mariah keeps telling me West Coast is the best coast, but we all know that the real party's here on the east side. We all know East this. Coast, Beast Coast. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the way yes. it is. Yes. Anyway. So I, I am pumped today because, you know, oftentimes when we have guests on here, they're video people. And Liz, you do, uh, you know, a fair amount with video, but uh, you bring a very different perspective into this mm -hmm. whole, you know, content marketing thing. So for those of, of us that don't know what you do, of course, I know what you do, but for the listeners <laughs> who don't know what you do, what do you do for us here at Impact? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm really glad to kind of be, to be on here representing those who don't necessarily always think with a video mindset first, um, because that's something I've had to train myself to do. And I am the director of web and interactive content here at Impact, which means a lot of different things. Yes, words, pillar pages, all of those different things, but at a very, very high level, it's really about what are the stories we're telling as an organization? What is the content strategy that we're using to drive that? And then determining what are the best ways to tell those stories. Sometimes it's going to be words. Sometimes it's video. Sometimes it's audio or audio visual in this case. Um, and that's something where as we've, you know, as we've all realized, I think in this space, if you want to tell the best stories, if you want to establish that necessary trust as a business, with the audience that you're trying to reach, we've had to develop this media company mentality. And so that's what I've really been more progressively pushing now within impact. But again, going back to what I said at the beginning, you know, that wasn't necessarily always the case, not just from a mindset perspective, because I come from a publishing and communications and journalism background. I kind of fell backward into the inbound space. Uh, I started as an account manager about five or six years ago because the agency I was looking for was looking for somebody with writing experience because that was around the time when the inbound world went, oh yeah, we should probably like know how to write and stuff. <laughs> and so <laughs> I fell into it that way, ended up in a content management role and I was really just super words focused as, as many people were, I think. Um, but then also as you and I have discussed personally, and I, as I've actually written about for impact, I was just one of those people that you run into all the time of anybody else, but me can be on camera. Please, God, do not make me speak words <laughs> to a faceless void of a camera lens. <laughs> like it terrified me and I would go out of my way to avoid it all the time. And I'm, I'm still, I will still say I'm my, my own worst critic, as I think we all are, but I would say I've really pushed myself over the past year to go more in front of the camera in order to understand the medium. 
Um, and that's pretty much where I am today. You know, we're going to be pushing pretty heavily on our, on our editorial side of creating more video, which is why I'm really excited to have this conversation today, because I think we have this very one dimensional conversation of you need to be doing video, but there are a lot of unspoken fears, either personally or just due to lack of experience with the medium that creates a lot of mental blocks that people don't talk about out loud before yeah. you even get to the decision-making around, well, what goes where and how do you know what to make? Yeah, I, I think it's... So this is a really interesting discussion, Liz, because your journey to, um, you know, from content manager into now this web and interactive content, and now you're creating more video content. It's very similar to my journey as well. I was the content manager at the Sales Lion, and I was just writing stuff. And then it was like, you know, this video thing is really important. And if we're going to even talk about this, then I have to do it as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm no different. I had fears about getting on camera at first. So it's funny. Everyone has that kind of evolution. I think the, the most interesting thing about you, Liz, is you like, especially the way you communicate via the latest, which is, you know, our, our thrice newsletter, weekly so, newsletter. Thrice weekly newsletter. I love that. <laughs> Um, like the way that you communicate, you have such a, such a human kind of way of communicating with people and, and the connections that you form, like you, you can do it with the written word mm-hmm. or as many people can't do that. They would, they have to get on video in order to kind of show who they are. I think it's interesting how you, you can do both. So w- what would you say for somebody who, especially somebody who works for a company that doesn't really, cause I hear this all the time. Like what's too human, Zach? Like what, like how do we put some guidelines on how much personality our people can put out there, whether it be in their articles, whether it be in the emails they send, whether it be in the, in, in videos, what advice would you give to somebody who's running into roadblocks like that? How would they deal with that, with their leadership? I wish it was very much a, a simple and straightforward answer like the one I give here at Impact because I know a lot of that comes down to what the company culture is like at an organization. But I think the best way to think about it is that the way we communicate here at Impact on an audio and visual medium is very much in line with what our company culture is. But in order to express humanity and personality, it doesn't mean that you have to be the stand-up comedian, the one telling jokes. Often you can express humanity just in what you're talking about. So it could be as simple as maybe you're creating a video and and you're in the financial services industry, right? Let's take something that is historically very corporate, involves a lot of compliance. There's a lot of stuff there that gets very tricky. And I've, I've seen that that's one of those industries that can be very challenging to break out of that fear box. You could express humanity by simply talking about, let's say, retirement. And instead of talking, you could lead into, you know, stock options and explaining the more nuanced and very particular things that people need to understand. But you could start with a human story. You could start with a human story about yourself or someone in your family or someone that you've worked with. And that is an expression of humanity. That is creating that human one-to-one connection. I think there is this false notion of when you're talking about being human and creating a connection via video, that you need to be this bombastic, overly caricaturized version of yourself. And that's not necessarily the case. Like you and I are a really interesting foil, for example, because I like to tease you sometimes that you're like a 1990s R&B cover. Like you, <laughs> you, you, you derive your power from stillness, 
Whereas I derive my power from like, I am filling up the space and filling up the end and, and eating all the energy up in a room. You know, I, I, you know, I derive a lot from humor and you derive a lot from being very direct and letting the stories of your people shine. So everybody has their different style. And I think people get very hung up on watching examples of other people and saying, I wish I could do that. And that's actually something I've run into with the written word as well. This is not a video specific problem. So I coach a lot of people at, um, at impact, especially when they're working on pillar pages and the mandate I always give them is be as unapologetically you as possible. Now, when I say unapologetically you, I'm not saying, you know, be profane, you know, be things that are quite clearly not appropriate for work. The point is more make it so nobody else but you could have told that story. Mm. You know, because you can tell the same boring story in a thousand different ways and have it land and have it stick differently because you're coming at it from a different perspective. So to go back to your original question, that's, that's what it really comes down to. If you're meeting that fear, you can, I would just recommend making an example, you know, install Vidyard Go video, do a quick, I don't know, two minute, 90 second, three minutes, however you want to do it, take one of your top topics and just try it out and see if there's a story you can tell that goes along with it. I mean, you don't have to put a lot of capital or budget or time into it to just flip on a Chrome extension and talk to a webcam and just say, you know, these are the, when I say human, this is what I mean. Wow. It's such a, it's such a great point. Um, we've communicated via stories for, you know, how long now? I mean, it's ever since we could speak to each other, we've communicated via stories and that's how we've created connections. So that's mm-hmm. so good. You don't have to be the over, overly charismatic person. You don't have to be the funny person. You don't have to be any of that. You just have to use what you've got, which is your personal experiences. So that's, gosh, that's so good. So switching gears a little bit, Liz, what's happening in in content marketing world right now? Like what's the hot new thing that everyone needs to be focused on right now? Besides just video in general, if we're looking at just the content marketing landscape, what's the hot new thing? The funny thing is I think the hot new thing is getting back to basics. We've spent so many years right now, or we spent so many years in this industry focusing on being these content machines. And you and I have had this discussion before where I've, I've looked at some of the things that, you know, I, that I've produced, that other people have produced, that competitors have produced, that peers have produced, that HubSpot has produced. And you think, who, who are they producing these things for? And I think for a long time, we got into this very regimented and quite frankly, sterilized process of create your buyer personas, then create these topics and put them in the funnel, and then just keep churning and churning and churning and churning and churning. And one of the things that I've noticed is that we are now moving toward this back to basics mentality where it's like, well, wait, no, stop. What is it that you're actually trying to do as a business? Okay, stop thinking about yourselves for a minute. Stop thinking about yourselves. I want you to put yourselves in the position of those people and tell me in their words what it is that they want from you. You know, I I think we're at this moment where we've realized we've been creating content, but how well have we been doing it? You know, we've been ticking the box. We've been doing the thing, but are we we answering the questions that people really want answers to? And nine times out of 10, the answer is no, we are not. We are answering the questions that we want to ask. And how do do we know the the land of fluff, as we like to call it, which is Mm -hmm. content that actually doesn't 
make a difference in traffic, lead sales, trust. How do we know we're in the land of fluff? Like, is are there indicators that would tell us definitively this is not this stuff that I should be making? Uh, I can tell you from experience. I had this horrifying experience here at Impact. And it was when I was really starting to first step into this role of, you know, overseeing our content strategy. Now, to be fair, Impact is a little bit of a hybrid agency. We are an agency, but we also have an educational and publication division. So sometimes the content that we create on one side of the business is not necessarily, it's meant to be more for the educational side of the audience. Now, with that said, when I started to take over these strategic pieces, I had a conversation with our sales team. Um, If you ever want to know, by the way, how effective your content is, please do not gather a bunch of marketing people in a room and say, do we think our content is effective? And then say, well, traffic, no. Um, Get your salespeople in a room and they will tell you. Nick Sal, God bless him, super sweet. He's like, you know, I'd probably say one to 2% of it's pretty valuable. Yeah. And that, that, you know, those one to 2% pieces are great. And I'm like, smiling on the outside and internally having an existential crisis. I'm like, so yeah. what you're saying? And Nick, and Nick Sal is on our sales team, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, uh, God, and I'm like, okay, so like 92% or 98% <laughs> of what we're creating is not helpful. Yeah. And what it turned out was, is that we had essentially gotten, there, there's this terrible joke that um, Jesse Lee Nichols, who's our divine, uh, design supervisor, she's gotten so tired of hearing over the years, but I'm going to repeat it for the new audience. What is a camel? It is a horse designed by committee. So you have something <laughs> that's like horse adjacent. And that's what a lot of yeah. content strategies end up being when you don't talk to sales or you don't at least involve anyone who has some sort of client or customer facing role in your content strategy. Like that, that's just what's going to happen. You are going to end up with a camel of a content strategy because you're going to have a bunch of marketers in a room going, huh, I bet this is what they ask. Yeah. You know, I mean, now granted, one of the things we talk about at Impact is that there are the, the big five topics that are guaranteed to drive traffic leads and sales. And that's, you know, pricing and cost, comparisons, problems, best of, et cetera, et cetera. So yep. it's in reviews and it, but you still need to make sure that when you're figuring out what the questions are that you need to answer that fall into those buckets, you need to have somebody from sales there. So how do you know um, whether or not you're producing fluff? Well, if you can't figure it out yourself and you're a marketer, you're not going to be able to, you need to talk to somebody front facing and yeah. ask them, are they, are these valuable to you in the sales process? Now, granted, if you have a sales team that isn't you using content at all in the sales process. We have larger, more systemic issues within the organization. Right. But in the more idealish world, that's that's really where you're looking. The the really interesting thing is, since a large part of my job is working with sales teams, once they really catch the vision, which is that, okay, we're all in the business of trust. I'm not going to let anything stand in the way of us getting that trust. And content really is one of the greatest sales and trust building tools there is. Once they really understand that and they understand how to assign content and homework in the sales process, what ends up happening is they come up with great content ideas because they'll get off a a call with a prospect 
and maybe the call didn't go in their favor. And they'll go, you know what? I bet you if they were more educated on the way that we do our pricing or the way that the pricing is done in this industry, I bet you that they would have bought. Mm-hmm. And, and they look for all these things like, man, if they just would have been more educated on this or understood that, they would have poked less holes and they would have had less objections. And, and then they come up with these great content ideas. And, and that is like your one-way ticket out of the land of fluff when that starts to happen. It's like a radical cultural shift in an organization. I mean, my favorite though is when people come to me and say, well, some pieces are for brand awareness. I'm like, so so you're telling me that this piece only exists to make people aware of your brand, but like from a distance as if you will perpetually be in the friend zone and they you never want them to give you money for goods and services. Like that, <laughs> that does not exist. Yeah. That is not real. Now, granted, that's why funnels and flywheels exist. You're going to have different pieces of content that are more educational that are really more to position yourselves as, you know, Hey, you know, we're not selling you anything right now, but we want to let you know we're the best teacher in this space about this topic. Yeah. You know, that, that is valid. That is a valid thing. But sometimes you get into these like weird cycles where it's just like, what, what are you producing and why? What do you feel like is the deal with social media right now for a business? That's a loaded question. Um, well, it really depends on the platform. I think we've gotten beyond that point. And I'm, I'm sure if our director of audience and community engagement, Stephanie Bayoki, hears me saying this, she'll like scream and say, no, these are all the wrong answers. But <laughs> from my limited perspective, we had this time where every week a new social media platform was coming out. And that still is happening to some degree, but it seems like they're now only existing to get acquired by Facebook. Sure. Um, but we, we are at this point now where I've noticed businesses are less likely to immediately say, oh, how can we use this platform? Oh, what can we do? Now, part of that is because we're now coming into an age where I feel like a grandmother poking on Facebook whenever I try to use Snapchat. So there are these interesting generational shifts that are occurring, but at the same time, are those types of new age social media platforms appropriate if you're a, a B2B financial services organization? Probably not. Um, I still think it's valid. I still think Facebook, whether we want to admit it or not, is the behemoth in the room. It's, it's the devil we know. And the devil we know that has billions of people <laughs> using it every single day. Um, I think the challenge is, is that as we're going to continue to see this generational shift, who is using what? You know, I know plenty of people who I would actually consider professional peers who never even touch Facebook. Are they decision makers? Yes. Are they buyers? Yes. But Facebook has become this, this bastion for people of older generations, people who are like me, people who are my parents, people who are Gen X. So they're not there. I think the challenge is going to be as people continue to get older, where are people congregating online? And they're doing so more privately. Like I've intentionally forced myself into Snapchat in order to understand it. And what I've come to realize is that a lot of people use that as a private messaging platform and they never even get to the feed that has stuff that's from businesses or from brands. Do some people? Sure, but not really. So the other thing I will say too is Twitter. I personally love Twitter. I think it is a very fascinating conversational platform. 
Um, I don't think a lot of businesses use it well. I think a lot of businesses a few years ago abandoned it potentially prematurely. But I think we've gotten to the point now where for data privacy reasons, you can't automate your social strategy as much as you used to. But also a purely automated strategy does not work. You need to go in there and really create content that is native to the platform and communicate natively. Um, my last point would be LinkedIn, which quite frankly, I used to think was just a glorified resume until I entered the agency world. And I will tell you, if you have that mentality and you are in any sort of actually B2B, B2C, it does not matter. Nonprofit, you need to be on there. You need to be building connections. It is the number one place to build your personal brand and the there is data that I do not have at my fingertips, tips, sadly, but it, it has some incredibly high conversion rates and returns on investment for people who invest in advertising on that platform. And the yeah. video, speaking to video specifically, native video on LinkedIn outperforms native video on Facebook hand over fist. Do you know... A lot of people are saying right now that that is just a, that's a temporary thing. That with Facebook and LinkedIn, right now, if you post a native video, you're going to get a lot of organic reach on that. And they're and they're saying, well, remember a few years ago, we're just uploading an image. You know, you would get more views on that. That's just the algorithm testing things to figure it out. And right now, it's just testing video. Do you think, just in your personal opinion, do you think that video is just like a test of this algorithm? That's why we see so much of it. Um, well, I, I kind of have two, I have a layered response to that. Number one, welcome to the internet. Everything <laughs> changes all the time. There are things that worked in HubSpot a year ago that no longer work or six months ago. I, I was at a HubSpot user group event last night and you're supposed to like introduce yourself and, and say, you know, are you beginner, intermediate or expert? And I said, well, I'm an expert until they change something again. And then I'm a beginner all over again. Like that, this is the nature of what we do. Like if you want a static industry and a static job, digital sales and marketing is not for you. For video, I am not going to be naive enough to think that in 50 years from now, there won't be some other visual media that will outperform that. Maybe we'll all be Tupac holograms. I don't know. But what I can tell you is that we have progressively been making this march in our content towards something that's more human. And so this is my non-scientific hypothesis. People have gone out of their way to avoid salespeople and marketers so much that they are now seeking human connections from brands. So we don't want to actually talk to you, but we are forcing you more and more to prove your humanity. Because the more we step away, as much as we hated those sales conversations, that's how we establish trust with an organization. By actually, you know, picking up the phone or filling out the contact us form. But now that we're doing that less and less, there is that void. And so we seek it out in things like video where I'm like, that is a human. That is a real honest to God person. And to your point earlier about the latest, yeah, I do make a lot of connections, but I told you at Inbound, I had a couple of people come up and go like, oh my God, you're an actual person. Whose cat photos did you think those were? <laughs> like, yeah, it's me. I'm real. And video is the quickest way to do that. Yeah. You know, that, that there is always going to be some component where businesses are being forced to prove how human they are. And video is the best way to do it right now. Now, in terms of the algorithm, yes, things are going to change. They're going to make you pay for stuff. Now, LinkedIn, they don't seem as 
nefarious as some might view Facebook as. Um, but who knows? I, I can't answer that question, but to think that things won't change over time is to live in denial. Well, LinkedIn, you know, they've, they've monetized in a really smart way mm-hmm. with, a, with a membership plan that really works well for them. So they don't have to, I think, in many ways, rely on ads the way that Facebook does. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why I think it's, it's a really quality platform for professionals. But something you said, Liz, really, was really interesting and got me thinking with, with social and with content, with humanity and all this stuff, right? We, we at, at surface level, it would look like we're more connected now than we've ever been with these social media platforms. But really, it's they're they're not real connections. And I think that right now, in 2019, we crave a connection with somebody more than we ever have in, in the history of the world. Absolutely. The, the, the byproduct of everyone being so connected at, at this like surface level on, in these big groups mm-hmm. on you know on digital, it makes us want to have an even deeper relationship and have a real connection with somebody. I think we really crave that. I don't think that's going to stop. I would agree with that entirely, but this is where I think, you know, when you when you start getting into video or even just whether you're talking about video or just forcing yourself to be more unapologetically yourself in your written content, it can go either way. Video and that type of honest content fosters the connection. It creates the foundation. It sets the conditions where you can have that real person-to-person connection, where you can have that level of interaction. Somebody at Inbound literally came up to me and acted as if we were already friends, did not introduce themselves and said, your cat pumpkin is amazing. (laughs) <laughs> like they already felt like they knew me. Yeah. They asked how my dogs were doing. They asked me if I had unpacked boxes yet from my move in April. And the answer is no. <laughs> like, you know, so w- what's interesting about it is, yes, we, I think we have created this digital ecosystem where we are allowed to curate, we're having a very existential conversation, but we're allowed to curate this existence around us tailored down to our interests. But video is a fantastic way to break through that. And very honest and human content is a way to break through that because it basically makes it so you don't have to do the handshake. You know, people already feel like they know you. And when people are making a buying decision now, that's what matters. I mean, look, who hasn't gotten a Dear John letter from a prospect that said it came down to culture fit and values? Mm. Like you, it came down and you had two equally great agencies or equally great, whatever businesses, but ultimately, man, it just came down to fit and a great way to start fostering and and setting those conditions for success from a, from a culture fit, either qualifying or self-disqualifying because not everybody's a fit, but it creates that mental handshake. And I didn't believe in it because you told me that when I didn't want to get on video or start doing some of these things. And then it started happening. And it was crazy. Anyway, so yes, I believe we're, we're a little bit lonelier, but it does create these interesting moments where people just feel like, hey, oh my gosh, hi, I already know you. Now, granted, yeah. I'm sitting there going, oh my God, what is your name? Just say your name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These stories, I hear stories like this all the time, right? Of just people being so surprised at the outcome of of creating video and the relationships that end up coming out of it. It's, it's a really special thing to, to witness and to hear about all the time. Mm-hmm. Liz, I can honestly, I could talk to you for another hour. This has been, <laughs> it's been so much fun. Um, so the first thing 
listeners and viewers, the first thing you should do is go subscribe to the latest, which is our thrice weekly newsletter. Not because I'm promoting it, but because if you really want to get a sense for what this whole human communication and, and providing value really looks like, the latest is a world-class example. So even if you just subscribe for a few weeks and then unsubscribe just because you got a taste, then do that. But get a sense for really how Liz and our team here are doing things. It's a great example. And also, Liz, you've got a great podcast. Yes. And we're coming back. Second season is starting soon. And drum roll, I have a, I have a co-host who's going to be joining me going forward. I'm not going to let it out of the bag. But oh, it's called snap. Content Lab. And it's essentially a place for all of the content nerds to come and learn how the sausage actually gets made. Because I learned a long time ago that we love to talk about how important content is, but we don't really like to talk about how it actually happens because content feels like homework. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And it's fun and it's exciting. And people can get that on iTunes, Spotify, yep. Google Play, all that stuff. Subscribe now because the new episodes are going to be dropping very, very soon. Um, and also, if you want to check in with me on Twitter, you can find me at NaptownPint, N-A-P-T-O-W-N-P-I-N-T, because I'm from Annapolis and I drink beer in addition to doing content stuff. That's Just it. another reason why you're so awesome, Liz. You know. I really, really appreciate you coming on the episode today. Make sure y'all connect with Liz. Go subscribe to the latest. We'll drop all of Liz's contact information and things in the show notes. So you can check that out. We appreciate all of you tuning in today. Make sure if you enjoyed this episode, you like it, you subscribe, you leave comments, tell Liz how awesome she is. Make sure you tune in next week for a brand new episode of the Film School for Marketers podcast. Maybe Mariah will be back with us. Maybe not. We don't know. We really don't know sometimes. But we hope you join us next week. And until we see you next time, keep learning. Keep learning.